Uh, so friends, we now have a special team reading by four awesome individuals. And they are Charlotte Hartwell, and she's a youth from the Hollywood campus, along with Kim Hillman, Alan Leung, and Jace uh, Lucas. And as they read today's scripture passage for our focus, let's listen to the spoken word, the word of God, and take in the visual imagery that's going to be part of this wonderful experience. So now let us receive the gift of this reading with gratitude. A reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1 through chapter 2, verse 3. The translation is from the New Revised Standard Version. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome. And it was so. God called the dome the sky and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together, he called seas and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves of every kind with which the waters swarm, and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things and wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it was so. 
God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind and the cattle of every kind and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, see, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit, and you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. Word of God, words of life. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Friends, while listening to the reading of the first creation story, Genesis chapter 1 through chapter 2, verse 3, what came to mind for you? What word of God resonated? And maybe you caught a glimpse of an image that captured your imagination. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, there is such Goodness contained within these 34 verses is from the very outset, page one of the Bible. It's much to contemplate and consider, much to act upon. For this opening scripture passage is both of word and deed, telling us God is not separated from what has been created, and nor are we. This morning, we begin a three-week For the Beauty of the Earth journey, and today I'll focus on why creation matters to God and to us. And next Sunday during our 10.30 a.m. online worship, we'll continue our Care for Creation series with a message from the compassionate Beth Mueller. And then on July 25th at 9.30 a.m., we're going to have an in-person beach worship service led by Pastor Bridie Roberts, followed by a seashore cleanup with Surfrider Foundation. We're going to put into action our care for Mother Earth. Amen? So, in your experience at church, let me ask, what have you heard when it comes to stewardship? Now, I'm going to say from my own personal experience, the emphasis has usually been placed on finances, possessions, and that's definitely important. Nevertheless, is stewardship just limited to that? For instance, what about environmental stewardship? What does the church say or advocate for when it comes to the beauty and sanctity of God's creation? 
Now here's where you probably hear crickets because that's like a dead zone topic for a typical church chat. For when it comes to creation, what does the church frequently teach? Oh yeah, sure. God created the heavens and the earth. However, the theological posture, now this is the one that's often taken, is one in which the created order is bound only for destruction. And this type of theological posturing has consequences because it then follows that many Christians believe it is ethically appropriate to use the earth resources as aggressively as possible to accomplish what really matters, the conversion of souls. Now, that aggressive belief is heard and seen in what Christians believe about other Christians and what others believe about Christians. And the way it comes across is that the whole of Christianity would rather be heaven-bound and escape the earth and all that inhabits it, rather than face the situation we ourselves from ages past and current have created. Oh, you know, the church, it talks about saving souls, yet what about living into the words from Leviticus 25, 24? You shall provide for the redemption of the land. Well, today's scripture reading from Genesis, and this is of the first six days of creation, as told in the first of two creation stories in the Bible, it is the sixth day that uh, has the most descriptive detail. And it is on this day, humanity, Adam, is created. And created how? Well, as verse uh, 27 says, humankind was created as God's reflection in the divine image God created them in the image of God. We reflect the character of the Holy One. We are image bearers of the Almighty. And what follows that verse is not only a blessing, but an assignment for humanity. Be responsible for earth. Watch over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and all the living things on the earth. We play a critical role as the eternal one's royal representatives for all of the habitats and inhabitants on Mother Earth. It's part of God's blueprint. And for further clarity in that role for which humans have been given, let's look to chapter 2, verse 15, which states, Then Yahweh Elohim took the earth creature, humanity, and settled it in the Garden of Eden so that it might cultivate and care for the land. Cultivate, care, tend, guard. Humanity as custodians and stewards, not dominators. And furthermore, if you look at the Hebrew term used here, it means to serve. In this garden, there would always be enough. Here was perfect balance. God took great pleasure in creation and its design, and the expectation was people would respect it and protect it. They would be of service. But then God's perfect world became Adam's, humanity's broken world, and all of creation has suffered because of humanity's rebellion. Okay, well, what else do we learn when we study the Bible, when we delve into history for understanding of creation and humanity's role in it? Well, we learn that all of Israel's laws of land, tree, and creature communicate the same premise as that in Eden. Israel was a tenant on God's good land, a steward. 
and the land, its produce, and its inhabitants belonged to God, not humanity. And each member of Israel's society, they stood responsible before God for their care of his resources. You see, Israel structured its worship around the regular acknowledgement that nothing they had was truly theirs. All they had belonged to Yahweh, and each generation is to maintain the land, keeping it fertile, leaving enough so that the land might be able to replenish itself for future harvests and future generations, even though such methods will cut into short-term profits. Now, applying this to us, how do we look at this gift of creation? Do we look at it as something we own? something that's ours and ours alone? Do we believe that our worth is only measured by what we possess? Now, I'm gonna flip this around because when it comes to it, this good earth, this land in which we inhabit, who truly owns it? What was God's original intent with creation? That the land would provide for our needs. Hence, since God owns the land, what does that make us? Tenants not landlords. Thus, to live on it is a privilege. I'm going to say that again. It is our privilege, and our task is to maintain this gift to be received by the next generation, or as our indigenous siblings would remind us, to consider the impact seven generations, seven generations from now. Nonetheless, our fallen race as tenants has instead chosen to use its superior gifts to exploit and abuse. We in the industrialized world have allowed our appetites to outrun both our resources and our humanity. We devour, we destroy, and there are costs for our destructive behavior, those who are supposed to be tending the garden. Consider our waters or dumping grounds for plastic pollution, Chemical discharge, runoff from fertilizers, and just add to that list of hurts. The burning of fossil fuels, deforestation, and harmful pra farming practices, they're damaging the planet, causing a warming on this earth that is not natural. Humans are influencing the climate. One of the latest examples, at the end of June, the Pacific Northwest Oh my goodness, it went through a horrible heat wave that was a one in a thousand year event. Temperatures were extreme. We're talking 116 degrees in Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon. A Canadian record of 121 in British Columbia, causing several hundred people to die, along with crop failures, the spawning of wildfires, one which destroyed the town of Lytton, British Columbia and which killed hundreds of millions of marine animals and continues to threaten untold species in freshwater. According to scientific analysis, if the world warms by two centigrade, and this could happen in about 20 years time, then the chances of having another similar heat wave drops from once every thousand years to, get this, once every five to 10 years. With the climate change being experienced, resources are becoming scarce, communities are being displaced, and that really hits the marginalized communities more so than others. Harvest seasons are facing lower yields, and wildlife, they're losing their habitats. Friends, our abuse 
and exploitation of Mother Earth is sinful. In our greed, we take what we want and consume without concern for others. And this is troubling. So how should the church respond? Well, it leads me to share a meditation that was written by the late Henry Nouwen, internationally renowned priest and author. And it came up uh, this past week in a, a meditative blog that I, uh, I, I get. So this is what he said. In recent decades, we have become particularly aware of the crucial importance of our relationship with nature. As long as we relate to the trees, the rivers, the mountains, the fields, and the oceans as properties to be manipulated by us according to our real or fabricated needs, nature remains opaque and does not reveal to us its true being. When we relate to a tree as nothing more than a potential chair, it cannot speak much to us about growth. When a river is only a dumping place for our industrial wastes, it no longer informs us about movement. And when we relate to a flower as nothing more than a model for plastic decoration, the flower loses its power to reveal to us the simple beauty of life. When we relate to nature primarily as property to be used, it becomes opaque and this opaqueness is manifested in our society as pollution, the dirty rivers, the smog-filled skies, the strip-mined hills and the ravaged woods are sad signs of our false relationship with nature. Our difficult and very urgent task is to accept the truth that nature is not primarily a property to be possessed but a gift to be received with admiration and gratitude. Only when we make a deep bow to the rivers, oceans, hills, and mountains that offer us a home, only then can they become transparent and reveal to us their real meaning. The we, friends, is not only humanity, but it must be the church. It is the church that must step up to be a strong voice that is heard, clearly heard, to reorient our values to those of God, to guide us into living our lives as humanity should have done in the first place. Christ affirmed the goodness of creation and calls us to do the same by the way we live our lives. We must shape our thinking to live into a greater call, demonstrating what is stated in Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is the role of the redeemed community. This is how we live as an expression of the kingdom of God. This is what we do as image bearers of the spirit, showing love and care to the world with our ecological obedience that goes hand in hand with our hope in the kingdom of God, as well as in the resurrection with the creator who will make all things new. In our ecological obedience, I bring an action item for us by way of Creation Justice Ministries. There's an article titled 52 Ways to Care for Creation on their website, and that's creationjustice.org. 
that shows care and love to the world. And I encourage all of us to read it, but not only read it, to also put these ways into action. And among the uh, 52 examples include why it's helpful to the environment when we live, eat leftovers or eat uh, plant-based meals, how to green our laundry routine or committing to low or no waste grocery shopping. I mean, each step we take, it adds up, they count. And so again, that's 52 ways to care for creation at creationjustice.org. Faith community, as at each stage of creation when it came to nature, God declares it to be good. Yes? Well, this is the clearest and strongest affirmation in the Bible of the sacred character and value of the natural world. And then when it comes to the whole of creation, it is very good perfectly corresponding to God's intention. Amen? When taking in today's scripture passage, it, it gave me time to reflect when I've been stunned into silence by the creation of it all, by the sacred beauty and complexity of the cosmos, of the world we've been gifted, being reminded of the countless times, and I say that countless times, I've been awe-inspired, such as when I snorkeled in the waters of Maui and swam with a, a colorful kaleidoscope of sea life, or when I witnessed oh, magnificent, gigantic whales dancing about the, the coastal waters of Alaska, or when walking along the gorgeous landscape of Peru and breathing in its fragrant smells, or, or when I held in the open palm of my hand a still soft, weightless hummingbird, or when I cradled my nephew Zachary in my arms and then lifted him toward the night sky, giving thanks to God, breathing into each moment, taking it in, each being a reflection of God who made it. So what and when have you been stunned into silence by the creation of it all? How does the knowledge God created all things, the, the earth, our, our solar system, the, the universe, the atom, the electron, all life, all matter, how does that knowledge change the way you think about God? Knowing we've been created in the creator's image, well, what does that mean to you? How does this affect how you feel about creation? And what will you do to help protect the beauty diversity and fragility of the world Yahweh created. As you ponder these questions and what I've shared with you on this day, let's receive the blessing of a special song sung by worship leader Melinda Hale, What a Wonderful World. I said 
with by the source of life who loves us beyond measure, graced by creation coming from spirit, creation that matters to God, creation that matters to us to enjoy and for which we are responsible. Let us diligently and compassionately care for the Holy One's beautiful and good earth. Amen. Friends, thank you so much for choosing to be with us today and to praise God. We at Harmony Toluca Lake, an affirming, reconciling, and redeeming faith community, look forward to connecting with you again next Sunday at 10.30 a.m. via Zoom and Facebook Live. And for those on Zoom, please stick around for the question of the day and discussion. May the peace of Christ be with you and yours this day and always. Amen.